Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. I'm one half of your presenting to your arms, Stu Whiffin. Joining me always is Portuguese Chris. How are you, mate? <laughs> Hello, man. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, just supporting where... Uh, did you know I'm about 35% Portuguese? I didn't know. You did mention no, that you'd, uh, you'd robbed it off of um, your partner's deceased dad. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he wasn't wearing it when he'd passed. It's just that I had to do a bit of a DIY round there's... I uh, had to fix a fence, you know how it is being a man. And uh, and so I didn't have any, I only had my really expensive like Balenciaga. <laughs> I, just didn't, I just didn't want to get my clothes dirty. So I was like, have you got anything old in the cupboards? And they were like, yeah, give that a whirl. And as usual, I can't let anything go. So it's now actually part of my wardrobe. Love it. Love it. Well, are you all right, mate? How are you getting I'm on? all right. I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not too bad. Thank you, mate. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't complain. Um, well, look, um, we, we, we've got limited time today, so um, we, yes. we should jump on. But f- before we do anything, uh, we should shout out our sponsors. Um, and so first of all, I'm going to shout out the Say What podcast, which is hosted mm-hmm. by Big Papa Jay, a uh, friend of the show, and Notorious F-A-T-T uh, and the Lady P. And um, listeners of Hardcore Listing Podcast, if you like um, what is 99% of, of, of our output, which is utter drivel, um, you will love the Say What podcast because it is, mm-hmm. it, it's like if you ordered Hardcore Listing on Wish, you would get the Say What That's podcast. That's what you get. Yeah, Absolutely, it's, 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 mate. It's yeah. really poor. Um, but- you, you, ask, you ask your uncle for a, a, like a Lego playset and this is, you know, he got you some dodgy knocked off version of it. Yeah. That's this podcast. That's to say what podcast to this podcast isn't it basically Press sponsors of this podcast thank you <laughs> uh also and and summer hyphen yes. academy what do they do? the wonderful wednesday simon james they will take they'll go they'll learn you some uh self-defense they'll also uh give you the opportunity if you want uh, for a new career uh you can learn self-defense you can actually become a, a karate instructor instructor via sama-academy.co.uk. We, uh, we've already done one uh, sort of uh, free session where uh, Simon uh, taught uh, women's self-defence and self-awareness. And hopefully we've got another one in the pipeline as well. It was really great to see everyone show up to that, other than me. Absolutely. And it's a shame um, because if anybody needed some tips on self-awareness, it's you. And uh, so, uh, yeah, make sure you're at the next one. And I spoke to Sai yesterday uh, and he's planning on doing the next one um, in the summer uh, in a field. 
So, uh, hmm. so we can do it out in a park, uh, which would be great. Uh, so, um, what was the address again? If people want to find out more about that, samahyphenacademy.co.uk. Wonderful, wonderful. We've got a returning guest today, and the reason we've got a returning guest today is a uh, he's a lovely human being. Uh, secondly, he's got a great podcast, uh, and most importantly. It's Mental Health Awareness Week. So we thought, who better to have on as a guest today than the wonderful Tom Davies? How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Yeah. How are, how are you guys doing? Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Good, man. Oh, mate, thank you for that uh, lovely intro. I'm glad there's a specific reason for getting me back. I thought, like, Stu, you've got so many podcasts. You've interviewed everyone in the whole world, <laughs> and you were just on the way back round, and you just got to me again. So it's nice that I'm here for a, for an actual reason. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely, mate. It's always a pleasure to, to, to chat to you. I mean, we had so much great feedback. Yeah, it was yeah, it was great, wasn't it? We, I mean, I really enjoyed that last podcast with you, Tom. And yeah, we got some really, really great feedback. It was very useful for people. So yeah, Ace, it was a, it was an easy choice, wasn't it? Absolutely. I think we thought. I think you were about our tenth thought when we said who should we get on. So it was a really easy choice once we knew no one else could do it, Tom. Yeah, well, right, right. top top ten, I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. all peripheries of he was being polite there. We, uh, we we went through the real big hitters, didn't we? And it was our yeah, sake, yeah. might as well just yeah, ask Tom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, top 10 yeah. adjacent. So like yeah, 48 or something. Yeah, but either way, I'll take it and I'm here. Oh, so, you know, more fool you, I say. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tom, obviously we've mentioned that, um, well, before we do anything, for those that um, missed the last episode, tell us a little bit about your podcast first. Um, so I host a podcast, a weekly podcast called Proper Mental, and I speak to all different types of people about mental health and well-being and mental illness and kind of everything that comes with that. And um, yeah, sometimes it's stories, sometimes it's just a chat, sometimes it's uh, we'll look at something specific, you know, medication or meditation or anything that kind of as part of the conversation, stigma, awareness, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and just have a chat and explore it and try and look at it from as many different perspectives as possible and just get inside it, just figure out this whole thing of, of mental health and try and, um, yeah, clear up the mess a little bit, I suppose. Wonderful. Well, with all of that in mind, uh, we have no idea what your top five is going to be today, Ooh. but we, 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 we sort of prompted you to do something in and around, you know, what you talk about on your podcast and the fact that it's Mental Health Awareness Week. So what can we uh, expect from your top five today? Well, I'm kind of like, I'm in a position now where I'm really like racking up these episodes, you know, I'm, I've, I've got a got a lot out there. So I thought I would do uh, the top five things that I've learned from doing 120 something episodes Incredible. of my podcast. And congratulations, Wonderful. mate. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, should we just jump straight in? Straight in. Yeah, cool, man. So um, number five, I spoke for episode number 70. I spoke to a comedian called Juliet Burton, who's a, a wonderful mental health advocate. And she does some work with Rethink Mental Illness. And she does a lot of her, her shows, a lot of her comedy is about um, her own mental health and mental illness. And I did a an episode with her and I was expecting it to be quite... Um, I suppose almost formulaic in a way, you know, mm. sort of you, when did you first get ill? When did you start doing comedy? When did you start making jokes about being ill and kind of like go down that route? And it didn't really work out like that at all. And I've sort of connected with Juliet and she was at a place where she'd been doing a lot of deep work on herself and she was writing a new show and that had really kind of like made her look at things in a in a different way. And we ended up getting into this really kind of deep conversation and she was talking about something as as someone who does a lot of comedy in the past about her mental illness, um, she was talking to me about something called performative surface level engagement. And a little light bulb came on for me. Mm. And essentially what it kind of, what started to become clear to me from my own perspective is that 
I had been using my podcast, I'd been using talking about my mental health as a way to truly avoid talking about my mental health, right? right? So performative surface level engagement, saying all the things you're supposed to say, doing all the things that you're supposed to do, but not really doing the things that you need to do. And sure. um, that kind of opened the door for me. It really got me thinking. Um, at that time, I was on a break from therapy. I was happily just kind of like plodding along in my life. And I had my podcast and I was a mental health advocate and everything was kind of great. And um, after speaking to Juliet and having her break that down for me, I kind of thought, I'm phoning this in, you know? Mm. You know, I come on other people's shows and I'll tell you my story and I'll put it in a nice little box with a bow on it and go, there you are, lads, have, have some of that. And, it, and then it's all sorted, yeah. It's all sorted. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't working yeah. on me anymore, yeah. you know? And I was, I was talking about vulnerability and I wasn't showing any. And um, yeah, there was a big kind of mindset shift for me and I, I got in contact with a new therapist and I started working with someone new. I made the decision to um, very slowly and very gently come off my medication. Um, I put some big changes into my life to make sure that with those new changes, I was in the best possible position to kind of look after myself. And um, yeah, my life changed considerably after that, that episode. Oh, wow. And um, it, and I kind of thought, I mean, that example is very relevant to me, but I think for a lot of people, we can kind of, you know, we've all got a mate who talks about going to the gym all the time and maybe they don't go that much, you know? And yeah. there's, 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 there's so many things, so many times as humans where we get in our own way by saying we're doing the stuff and we know all the words and we know what, what it's supposed to look like. And just by being a little bit curious and sometimes a little bit honest, which is really hard with ourselves, we kind of go, hang on a minute, I'm talking to talk, but I'm walking a walk, you know, I've got, I've got work to do. And yeah, that was a big lesson for me. It had a very big impact on, on my life. And I think a lot of people would, uh, if they wanted to be that honest and take a look, then, you know, maybe they could, they could find some performative surface level engagement in their own lives, you know? Absolutely. Wow. I feel like I've learned something there. Um, I never do any of that. I always walk the walk um, I, I think that's so true Tom um, I mean even as soon as you said doing that I don't know about Stuart I couldn't help start scanning my own behaviours and there's multiple like that at the moment and I think um, like health exercise is one of them uh, I, I think the more I talk about these things the less I actually do it it's almost like the energy of talking about it save save it save it don't you know just do it um, which would be a great uh, brown brand slogan for, say, sportswear. Um, but I, I, I think, God, Tom, that's so performative. What was it? Performative surface yeah. level engagement. Yeah. yeah I, when Juliet was talking about it, she was talking about from her shows. You know, she'll stand up stage and tell people about all these different things that she's been through and all these things that have happened to her. But she wasn't doing the work to get better. You know, and I was exactly the same. I was exactly the same. I wasn't very well. I wasn't doing great, but I knew all the right words. And if someone yeah. asked me to talk about mental health, I could time in knots by saying all the right things and all these things that I've learned, I've pinched from this person and borrowed yeah. from that book, you know, and I wasn't, uh, speaking of books, right? You're better off reading one self-help book and actually putting something from yeah. it into place than reading 20 and doing none of it. Because yeah. you can distract yeah. yourself from helping yourself by fucking reading books about it, right? Yeah. You've got to do, you've got to do the work. It's called the work for the reason and um you know the time isn't always right to do the work everyone's always in a in a different position not everyone can do the work um but i felt that i was and i did and it had a a, a massive effect on on me and my life day to day what changes did you put in place 
Um, well, I started, um, I started when I was in therapy, I started like really fucking trying and not like, you know, I, I know the words to this stuff. I've had a lot of these conversations mm. and I'd be in therapy and I'd just be like, almost like showing off how much I knew mm. about me. Oh, look how self-aware I am. But again, that was to avoid really looking in the mirror, you know? Mm. And, um, so yeah, I started really double down on my therapy and I started really being honest and really trying to like tap into myself and try and be a bit braver a lot of things around anxiety in particular are they it makes you avoid situations right and then you avoid those situations because they're scary and then you learn how to okay that with yourself you know you back up the anxiety threat response by not doing these things and i was like no i need to be a little bit braver i need to push myself i need to challenge myself i need to tune in and when someone suggests doing something or I see the opportunity to do something and my first thought is like, oh, I can't do that. I need to challenge it, you know? And I started off with small things and to some people they'll sound ridiculous because some of the weird stuff I do like, or won't do because of anxiety is like, to a lot of people is really daft, but they started yeah. off with really, really small things. Give us um, some I also, oh, if you rang me and I ain't got your number in my phone, I ain't answering um, uh Un, um, unlisted number no what chance in hell mm. um, I ain't doing that if I mm. I will order something from Amazon and it'll come through the door and I won't open that box for fucking weeks I just can't bring myself to do it I don't know what I'm expecting I don't know <laughs> yeah, what yeah. like I, I don't I know get, what's going to be in that. there I, that's such a good example that I get that with uh, paperwork mm. like so I'll get I'll get a few letters and I'll be like oh I'll open them in a bit they're probably and like you say like what does your ego do to soothe that oh it's it's junk mail so, yeah, you know, all to. of it's gonna be long, and then you open it. It's like, hey, uh, you 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 didn't pay for this parking, and you've ignored this letter, and now we're doubling something like that. You're like, fuck! Like if I just opened that, that would have not have been a problem. But because I didn't, I get that anxiety all the time, Tom. I have terrible anxiety about WhatsApp. Ter- terrible anxiety about reading messages on WhatsApp, and like sometimes my missus will be like, you've got like forty messages there, and I'm like, I know. And and it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll get round to it. I'll look at it. And half of the messages are, they require one word responses. I mean, stews just require ignoring, but m- most of the others require. And so I, to- I totally get it. I have, I suffer from those same little, little things. And, and I know what a, a great, again, it's like, I know I can walk, the, I can talk the talk sometimes. Like I know you should eat the frog. Have you heard of that saying? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a book that uh, Molly read and I dipped in and out of it. And it's all about doing the hardest thing, like just doing the hardest thing first. So like with things like, or hardest to you first. So things like, you know, opening mouth. If I know I've got it, I should eat the frog. I should just do it. And it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's basically eating the frog is, um, oh, I can't exactly remember what that's in relation to. It's, um, I'm not going to guesswork it. But it's doing the thing you, you want to do least first. But actually, that's actually usually the most important. And uh, I do that a lot. Eating a f- not eating eating a frog's got to be easier than eating like an elephant. Why is it not for, like eating the elephant? Why, I, I don't. It's true, mate. I don't get it. Well, read the book. Eat the frog. Read the book, and you will. Yeah, yeah. It's probably not very nice eating a frog, but there's no, worse things. Exactly. Cauliflower. Yeah. Like cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I want to go back to something you said uh, when we started this conversation, Chris. And and I think mm. that's one of the things that is so important about what you do, Tom, with, with the podcast and having these conversations is it takes one little thing and then you start 
applying it to yourself and scanning yourself, as you said, Chris, like, and you think mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then obviously, you know, what you've just said there just triggered that with Chris, like, yeah, I do that. And it's like, and it is like them little things. And and all the time we're having these conversations, it's constantly getting you thinking, addressing, and, and hopefully actioning, you know, the the, the, the the little things that can have significant change do you know what i mean like and, and benefits so yeah incredible um i want you chris to uh mm. when we finish this google eat the frog and put a link on the show notes mark i just did actually while we we're talking it was actually signed by mark twain and did he, he said thin? uh don't don't make me uh say yes or no to that because i'm going to instantly just guesswork it yeah yeah he did yeah um, if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. So it's about just getting on with it. And how to? Sp- and then there's like you know, how do you spot the frog? What is that? What is that uh, frog? You know, it's often the one that you f- you feel like in- inside. You're more like, oh god, because like, how rewarding is it once you do do that? Like it is like. Okay, that's that bullshit out of the way now. So everything gets a bit easier. You know, you try and eat the frog at the end of the day, you don't have the motivation to do it. But I also think, Tom, something you said there was really interesting about, you know, you start with smaller things. Mm. But building that momentum, that's what helps me pull me out of ruts and depression and procrastination. I do the small things. Like uh, even, uh, and I build up, I, I can start learning to sort of like, you know, handle the, the bigger things that I'm sometimes ignoring in my life as well. Yeah, yeah interesting man. stuff. Yeah, I mean, the way to kind of like work on anxi- anxiety is to prove it wrong, right? It's to challenge it. But you have to be really careful and you have to do, start with the small things because if you just do the biggest, scariest thing, well, then you're just being really horrible to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to get panic. That's where you're going to get fear. That's There's no point putting yourself in the scariest in the scariest place possible, but you can start with the small stuff and you can just keep like chipping away, chipping it away. It's a bit like when you have a bad back and one day you just get up and your bad's, your back's not bad anymore. And then you, it gets to lunchtime and you go, oh, my back doesn't hurt today. It just kind of goes away. There's not this moment where you like leap off the couch and go, ta-da, my back doesn't <laughs> hurt. You know, it just kind of, you only notice the lack of pain at some point when it goes. And it's the same. You do those little, little things and they kind of add up and add up and add up. You know, and I used to challenge myself to um, to feel things. So whenever I feel any sort of discomfort, I realized I'd check out. If I felt um, anger or, or jealousy or if I felt sad, I'd pick my phone up or I'd get something to eat or I'd put the telly on. And I'd just challenging myself to when I feel that horrible little belly feeling, instead of just like pushing it down, I'd just take a minute, I'd take a big breath and I'd feel it in my system. And I'd think, oh, I wonder why that's annoyed me. I wonder why that's pissed me off. I wonder why I'm jealous about what that person is doing and just question it. And often there'd be no answers. But now when I get those belly feelings, they're not, um, they don't overawe me. They don't make me want to run. They don't make me want to like pick up my phone and instantly just start scrolling to f- distract, distract, forget, forget, and just try and like listen to my emotions. So it can be small things like just tuning into your, to yourself and your own behaviors. Um, yeah, I'd hate to come on here and sort of say, oh yeah, challenge yourself and then get people doing all sorts of like wild, wacky stuff mm-hmm. that's going to lead to all sorts of problems. But yeah, start small, man, tiny baby steps. And over time, them small wins, they just add up and eventually they'll add up to a big one and you'll feel very different. Wonderful. That's really good. I, I think that I've kind of accidentally contradicted you a little bit with the eat the frog where it says eat the biggest one first. I think 
I kind of, I kind of was saying like, if you feel like you're hiring for your small business, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Being turned away from something, try not, try not to allow it. Try not to go for the dopamine hit of using the phone and just turning it off. But obviously, if something is absolutely beyond daunting, then yeah, I don't think just going, just running into that blindly is is the right way. And there's maybe, that other book of, yeah, uh, maybe that's why he said frog and not elephant. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen? Um, have you read that book, Atomic Habits, Tom? I have. Yeah, the James oh, Clear yeah. one. Yeah, that really, that really helped me. And that, mm. that's about fr- like making fractional improvements, isn't it? And that, yeah, it's quite good. Just setting yourself up to win, right? Yeah. Just like doing the small things that are just going to make it that little bit easier that over time are going to have a, what does he say in that book? Most people um, overestimate what they can do in a day and underestimate what they can do in that's a year. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, That's great. Mm. Number four, please, Tom. Number four. Um, I'm going to talk about like a psychiatry term that I haven't got a huge amount of understanding for, but it's something I've been kind of like swatting up on on recently. But I've been talking about um or thinking about rather um congruence and incongruence. And I kind of got onto this tip is when I spoke to an anxiety therapist called Josh Fletcher. Um, he's very well known in the sort of mental health space. You know, he's big online and stuff like that. He's written books. He's got a really good podcast. And I was chatting to Josh and we did the whole, you know, what is anxiety? Where does it come from? What can we do about it? All that sort of stuff. And I asked him, um, why are anxiety and depression so closely linked? Because they often come hand in hand for people. And he said that there's loads of different theories about that. But his particular theory was kind of based around the um, the old school psychologist, Carl Rogers, who kind of came up with this incongruence thing. And basically, like there's, there's two versions of the self. There's the, the person that you know you are, the, the, per, the way that you want to show up in the world. And then there's another version, and that's the way that you're seen, you know, and the, the way that people think you are. And ideally, you want those two things to be pretty close together, you know, maybe even overlapping a little bit. The, the gap anxiety makes you behave in a way that maybe you don't do things that are aligned with you because you're trying to avoid them. So that gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger between how you're seen and how you know you are and depression lies in the gap. Mm. And, you know, I agree with most of that. And um, 
it, that was really, really interesting to me. And again, that made me thinking about myself and my behaviors. And, you know, the big example for me is I will tell anyone that will listen how much I hate social media. You know, I've will. I, I I've no interest in it. It bores me. It upsets me. I don't like it. And yet my screen time is hours every day. Right? And I started thinking, I'm telling people I don't like this thing. And then I am doing it. And I wonder why I feel like fucking shit about myself, you know? So I was like, right, okay, well, there's only one thing we need to do about this. So for the last sort of like month, six weeks, I've hardly done any socials. Um, I check my sort of messages every couple of days. Um, any posting to do, I now give it to my wife. My wife posts on my account. Um, so I don't have to kind of, you know. Now she's judge. really depressed. Yeah, she hates it, but, <laughs> but it keeps her busy, you know. Um, but um, yeah, and I, I feel like a different man, you yeah. know. And then that's made me look at all different other stuff. How I, like what I call my safety behaviours, you know, sort of the patterns that I repeat to keep myself safe that are not, mm not helping me in the long term. They're only helping me in the short term. Mm. And social media was just one of them. My attitude yeah. to work and how hard I work and how much I work and the amount of time I spent being busy without actually achieving anything. I started to like explore all these, all these things. What am I saying and what am I doing and how can I get those things to be a bit more aligned? How can I become more congruent? And um, yeah, that's that, that's something that's going on at, at, at the moment. I've took a big break from my show, actually. I haven't put an episode out for like over a month now. Um, I haven't been posting anything. I've just been like kind of just just chilling, man, and trying to get back to myself. And um, yeah, congruence and incongruence has been a, that's been a massive learning journey for me as well. So, social media is, uh, it, it, it's a scary, scary thing. And I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with it. I'm, I'm, I'm on it so much. My screen time's terrifying. Uh, when I see it, I'm shocked week in, week out. And, uh, and it, it takes up way too much of my day. Um, however, as a, as a, somebody who's self-employed, you know, I utilize that as free advertising, but that's my excuse. But I, I do just get caught up looking at, absolute bollocks that's got no benefit to, to, to anything. Um, I went away uh, just after my, my 50th couple of weeks ago to the Peak District. I purposely put my, I turned my phone off and put it in my bag. And I went out walking in the mountains. And I can't tell you, not just... It, it, what, what really resonated with me was... When I was in uh, up in the mountains, as far as you can see, it's just beauty, right? No noise, and your your, your vision is so wide. <laughs> whereas normally my vision is this screen that I'm looking at right now, or an even smaller screen that is my telephone, and and I'm and my eyes are always sore, and I'm constantly glasses are going on and off, on and off, right for the day. I didn't wear my glasses for like three days and all I'd done was just act, just kept looking up, never looked down and, and I just thought, just keep looking up, keep looking up. And it was so vast and so, it, it, I don't know what, what I'm trying to say here, but having my phone off for three days, of an evening I checked my messages, but all day I just wouldn't look at it and it, I felt so much better for it. And then I was saying to myself, right, when I get back home, I'm not going to... And before you know it, I, I'm, I'm back to terrifying statistics of just wasting away hours. Like, I'll go on there to post something about one of the million podcasts, and like, and before you know it, I'm just caught up in something else that's going to have no benefit to, to, to what I'm trying to achieve in my day. And, and I do think it's so important to... 
to, to, to monitor that and, and, and to try and look up and stop looking down at our phones. And, and we spend so much time on laptops and, and Zoom calls and things like that now. And certainly post-lockdown as well, you know, whereas normally we'd be in a room together doing this podcast and we don't do that anymore. Like we, we do it like this and it's, it is scary how much time you spend just looking at a screen mm. and, and there's so much stuff that's way more interesting and good for your head than looking at a picture of someone's dinner and, you know, or, or, or someone's pro Royal anti-Royal rent or whatever. It's like, you're not going to get any benefits from that. And yeah, that's my two penneth really about social media because like a couple of weeks ago, it, it, it I really sort of noticed the benefits from not spending huge amounts of time just getting lost in it. Yeah. I think um it it just comes down, I think, to personal personal choice, right? What are you getting from it? What do you want to get from it? And I spoke to a research psychologist called Dr. Lucy Folks and her she looks at kind of the numbers behind mental health, right? So uh, she looks at the the stats, she looks at the papers, she looks at the studies and a lot of her work is around teenagers. So of course social media comes into play. And what she says from looking at the numbers from social media is that it do, it doesn't quite work like we think it does. So we it's easier for us. Will everyone who talks about social media all sit there and say, "Ah, oh, social media, oh, you know, it's bad. It's bad for this. It's bad for that. It's bad for that." And what um, Dr. Folk said was that social media can't be good or bad because social media isn't a single behaviour. So it can't be good or bad, right? And she said from what the numbers um, that she's seen show is that with social media, it's a real case of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So if you're in a, in a healthy state of mind and you're looking at the stuff you want to look at, you're going to fucking love it. You know, if you're that sort of person who loves sharing your selfies on Instagram and you like being involved and chatting and you're going to get loads out of it. Yeah. If you're in the other place, you're going to see loads of stuff you don't want to see, loads of stuff that upsets you and it's going to make you feel worse. You know, she said a lot of um, with the teenagers that, um, that she speaks to and works with, you know, we talk about like bullying and stuff. And she said like most of the time, obviously there's, you know, there's uh, it, it can be different, can't it, for all sorts of things. But she said most of the time, you know, with stuff like bullying, people who get bullied online are also getting bullied in real life. You know, so it's not like you go on social media to get bullied, although of course that can happen. But it's much more likely that, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, mm. you know. And then, so that means you've got to look at your own relationship with it. And if you're fine spending 10 hours a day on Instagram, fucking go for your life. Mm. You know, it's not for anyone else to say not to. For me personally, when I looked at it, I was like, I'm consuming more than I'm creating. And that is not yeah. a happy balance for me. Yeah, yeah. I know I can't dip my toe in because then I end up just getting lost looking mm -hmm. at stuff and making excuses to myself. And it's like, you know what? I'm better without it. And, um, yeah, it's been, oh, it's been lush. And it's got nothing to do for me personally. It's got nothing to do with not being on social media. It's been to do with being congruent and living in line exactly. with my values. Yeah, you know, yeah. the social media is the thing. It could be anything. It could be booze. It could be sex. It could be clothes. It could be yeah. whatever, right? If your values are, I love social media. I love being on it. And that's what my life is. I really like it. I find it really rewarding to be on there and sharing these and filming every fart that I do. And, and then that's I what you're doing. I love your fart videos, man. Oh, no, really, okay. <laughs> if that's what you're doing, then that you're being congruent, right? So that's fine. If you said, I love social media, I always love posting, I always get something out of it, and you're never doing it, then that would be incongruent. The problem being, Tom, like you say, is like we've used social media as the example, and as Stu has expanded on, social media is its own beast anyway. Uh, it's got full of, it's got its own challenges anyway. But, you know, if you're, 
it doesn't matter what it is. If you're as a, oh, fucking, do you know what I love doing? Uh, there's nothing more, I like more than uh, reading books. How many books did you read this week then or this month? Or oh, not many because of this, this, and this. It's like, well, you're not being congregant. You're not actually following uh, that little pearl inside you that tells you what what makes, what makes ticks your box, what, what makes you want to do what you want to do. Um, so yeah, it's uh, wow. I like that. I really, really yeah. like that. And this again, you, that's two things you've said now, Tom. Where I'm sat here going, right? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I've got to do some, uh, I've got to do a few little uh, bit of upkeep. Yeah, man. I, I spoke to a um, a guy called Ben Wakelin, who's a really good artist, and um, he does a lot of work with the NHS. He does a lot of work with people with um, like mental illness and displaying their art and stuff like that. And because of his work, a lot he said a lot of his friends they ask him like, "Oh, you know, I'm not feeling too good. What do you think I should do about it?" And he says the first thing he always says is, "How? When's the last time you did something you love doing?" When's the last time you like did one of your hobbies or because, mm. you know, life takes over and we don't do the things we like doing yeah. and we say we like doing them and just don't doing them. And it's like, you want to be a bit happier. If mm. you like reading books, go read a book. If you want to mm. play guitar, go play guitar, you know? And it's like, hang on a minute. I've not picked my guitar up for six fucking months. And I mm. know it makes me feel good. I know it's good for my mental health. And yet I haven't picked it up. I need to go and do that. Yeah. And I will feel better afterwards. You know, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely thing. Ice. Number three, please, Tom. Um, number three might be a little bit um, uh, not controversial. I'm going to try not to try too hard to explain myself oh, and worry too Tom's much how people will take it. Earth. I said he was going to do it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, as long as he's not racist again. <laughs> not again. I learned my lesson last time. No, but I, I, I speak to a lot of people about mental health awareness. You know, and uh, we're coming up. This is going to be out on mental mm. health awareness week, and I, I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to think that mental health awareness is overdue a reboot. <laughs> and I, f when, you know, when it all first started, when these campaigns first started, it was a mm. wonderful, wonderful thing. And it still is. There'll always be a need for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying take it away, but I just think the way that we've fallen into a rhythm of talking about awareness is maybe not as useful as we think it is. I think a lot of it is wasted energy and effort. Um, you know, I think so I spoke to a, a campaigner called John Salmon, wonderful, wonderful man. And um, he said that he said to me that signposting is the new awareness. And that really stuck with me, you know, because I can I can like bang out if I was on social media anymore. I could bang out posts saying it's OK not to be OK. And all these like really sort of like empty platitudes and the people that follow me on social media have some interest in mental health and they'd probably say, great post, man. And I feel really, really good about myself. What good is that actually doing? You know, what good is that doing? I saw a post the other day and it said, men need to know it's okay to cry. And I just thought, what, what, are, you know, do you think they fucking don't, you know, how mm. about you tell them where, how about you tell them how, how about you mm. trying to help them understand why they can't, you mm. know? And I think we just need to, we need to do a little bit more. And Sometimes these things go viral and I'm picking my words quite careful here, but 
sometimes things go viral and it's like maybe it's a celebrity or someone off the telly says something about mental health. And we all go, oh, you're so brave. That's amazing for sharing. And it is brave for sharing, particularly if you've got a public profile, you know. And these things go viral and they all blow up. And then a week later, it's dead and we're all back to something else. And I think, well, what about if when these people speak up and they have got big profiles and it is going to, why don't they mention like the hub of hope or, mm-hmm. you know, you, Stu, the stuff that you and Kirsty do with Reach Out. Reach Out are an amazing organization. Let's not tell people it's okay to not be okay. Let's tell people how to get in touch with Reach Out. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's mm. not sort of just these make people aware and then just kind of like leave them to it and feel good about ourselves because we've done a post in our echo chamber and everyone's liked it and shared it. Let's tell people about the Hub of Hope and My Black Dog and all these organisations, you know? So I'm, I live in Merseyside and I personally believe that uh, Merseyside is like leaving the, leading the way at the moment with like mental health support and care. The, the amount of organisations around here, all charities, all self-funded or funded through grants, and they're doing wonderful things and there's something for everyone, different versions on a theme. Um, I'm trying to work my way round round them all, getting them on as as guests, you know, to to chat to them. And no one knows about them. And they're in the, the local community saving lives every fucking day. And we're not talking about them, but we'll, you know, we'll all go mad because someone's put a post up saying, you know, real men know how to cry. And I, I just think we're starting to, without sounding too cynical, you know, because there's always a need for everything. I don't want to be that guy. But I think we're starting to confuse Instagram reach with reaching real people. Hmm. And I think if we swapped some awareness for some signposting, I think it would make a big difference to how many people could get help with their mental health. Uh, I feel like it's, it's the... It's the oh, sorry. No, come on. Come on. Crack on. Uh, I, don't, I do see the value, but like it's like... Like you said, we all... like It has started to really permeate that our culture now right like it is, we're in a different place than we were 10 15 years ago with mental health I, I think like when i talk to most people now whether it's in the office or whether it's you know just you know in my social circles it's a completely different thing so it's good that like sometimes you know sometimes the easiest thing to do is just make a statement and sometimes that's what you need is to raise awareness but i do feel like it's such a good thing to say there tom like we're we're kind of at a level now where we all know that and in fact just saying uh a, a one liner is actually it almost is like it's kind of more surface level shallow you know that everyone's just going to agree with you it's like saying isn't Shawshank redemption a great film it's like you're not going to get anyone disagreeing with that but what value is it? You need to go go that like that step further, and like it's not the what, it's it's the how. Um, so yes, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. And so, how do you? What do you think is the, the how? Is like what you said there is like point people to the, the the places where there's really useful resources, good places to get help. Um, mm. You know, depend on what your what struggles you're having. Yeah, signposting, you know, let people know what's out there because most people don't know it's out there till it's too late, till after they need it. That was my case. Like I just said, I just told you about all these amazing organizations on Merseyside. I couldn't have named one when I was in crisis. You know, it's like now I know about them and it's um it's almost too late. And the other thing is just kind of lead by example. Let's stop telling men to talk. Let's just talk, you know, us three now. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation about our mental health. And maybe that guy who feels like he can't talk or doesn't know what's happening to him or doesn't know how to talk, maybe he'll hear it, you know, and then maybe he'll think, oh, I haven't got the words for what I'm experiencing, but I'm going to, what Chris said really resonated with me. So I'm going to borrow it, you know, and maybe I'm going to borrow someone else's words and that will get me started. 
and once someone starts, that's it. Once it's starting, then then they're off to the races then, you know, anything's possible. So let's demonstrate, you know, mental health awareness by just being aware and being open. If we can be, of course, not everyone can be, not everyone should be, you know, but, you know, I'm going to put myself in the firing line and say, yeah, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it to anyone. And if you hear it and, and make some sense of it, then that's that's fine. That's my my job done. Let's talk about it ourselves. Let's demonstrate it as a lead by example. And then let's signpost people rather than saying like, maybe you've got depression. You know, then you see these things on social media, you know, are oh, five signs you might have high functioning social anxiety. And then there's like five things that are just fucking generic that everyone experiences. And suddenly everyone's diagnosing themselves with it. Like, let's not do that sort of stuff. Let's not make people think they've got anxiety mm. and then step back and go, that's my job done. I've done the awareness <laughs> bit. Let's say, well, if you think you might have anxiety, first of all, contact your doctor. But also there are all these amazing organizations. Go to the Hub of Hope. The Hub of Hope is the biggest um, platform of uh, biggest collection of mental health organizations all in one place. Stick your postcode in there. You know, guaranteed there'll be something in your area that pops up on the Hub of Hope. You know, it's a beautiful thing. I think posting... Um case studies is really good as well. I think if you literally just put a picture of someone up and underneath it is their story, mm. then that's lived experience. That's an actual, you know, that's a case study on somebody. And you can, if you read that and it triggers loads of different bits and pieces, like what we said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, you know, you start scanning yourself when you have these conversations, you know, if people aren't in a position where they can have them conversations and there's something that pops up on their feed, which is a picture of somebody that just looks like somebody they might know, and it's like, all oh, right, oh, okay. So he felt like that, then that, then that, and that put him there. And then he went where? Oh, he went there and got help. Oh, okay. So well, I can kind of relate to that. And it's not a celebrity telling me to do this. This is somebody that has probably got a very similar lifestyle to me. And, and I do think there's lots of benefits from from case studies. Yeah, just lay it all out. You know, mm. this is if this rings a bell, this is what you can do. Yeah. You know, you, and you have got options. You know, when you think you don't have options, that's the scariest place, right? So Absolutely. They're like, yeah, letting people know what, what's what's out there, and you know, there will always be a need for awareness. There's, but of course, this play. I'm very used to talking about this stuff. So are you guys? Of course, there's people out there who never hear these type of conversations. Mm. You know, my biggest thing with my show is how do I get it in the ears of me five or six years ago when I was in crisis and I didn't know any of this stuff, you know, that's the biggest challenge for me. Um, so, you know, yeah, of course there'll always need to be awareness and it'll always help, but you know, like maybe it's time just to like, just give it a little reboot. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. Number two, Tom. I think, Sorry, Chris. Just quickly, Sorry. just quickly. Um, I, I, I say this to, so my partner, I mean, everyone widely knows she's got a health condition that she's actually starting to recover from, which is great. But like Molly was so ashamed of, what she was going through for for 10 years. And and once she, you know, through therapy and, and through reading lots of bits and pieces and encouragement and support of a close network, she started opening up her like opening up her story to other people. Like she 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 was more vulnerable uh, to sort of like friends who weren't as close um, as they probably could have been. And because she always felt embarrassed about it or like she wouldn't explain to them why she couldn't go out or meet them that day or she's had to cancel and she was really ashamed, ashamed about it or worried and the moment she sort of opened up her vulnerability to some to, to other people uh like they also opened up themselves about things that they're going through and i think molly was really surprised that actually in opening up she actually grew closer to people as a result of it because you know we're all going through stuff and like you say tom if we can if we if we're if we can 
open ourselves up and and chat and hopefully we do it on hardcore listening and stuff we did we did one uh about blowout uh burnout a couple of days ago hopefully then people hear that and they'll be like yeah okay maybe i can risk saying or, or doing that and we we have our listeners reach out to us and They've got a great network now within Patreon, and I'll always encourage that. I would imagine, Stu, we will release this on Acast, this episode. Yeah, um, yeah and anyone listening, if they if they have a story to tell, they want to open up or whatever, you know, we we will we will signpost. We will uh, we will uh, list some of these um, organisations Tom's uh, mentioned today, and uh, but you know we're we're here as well. One one of the things you said there, Chris, about. And Molly felt by opening up to to her friends that it grew closer because I think there's nothing more giving and generous than vulnerability, and 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 showing that vulnerability, you know, really is you opening yourself up to somebody. And I'm sure there's, you know, there are people out there that that, that shy away from engaging in people when they do that. But as human beings, so many of us you know, when, when somebody shows that vulnerability, it, it's got to be a human instinct to, to show compassion mm. and understanding and, mm. and, and want to help if you can. And, and, and I think mm. like, uh, like you say, you said Molly was surprised at it. And, and, and I think, you know, that, that what you just said there is as a case study, I guess, should be something that people can go, okay, well, I will be maybe be more open and, and, and show that, that vulnerable side of me about, you know, what I'm going through and, and hopefully they all get a very shared experience of people actually, you know, coming back with compassion and understanding and help. I think it's 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 one of the most generous things you can do is is is, is show that sort of vulnerability and and that side of you. Hundred percent, man. Was it Brené Brown says, uh, "Shame dies in the light," right? Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. What you got for number two, Tom? Number two um, for episode one hundred fifteen, uh, I spoke to Alistair Campbell. And I know he's like quite a controversial figure as such, but he um he knows what he's talking about when it comes to mental health, regardless of regardless of whether you agree with his politics, right? Mm. And he told me about a technique that um was sort of given to him by one of his uh, the professionals he's worked with over the years, and he calls it his jam jar technique. So yeah, so this one's Alistair Campbell's jam jar. Hmm. But he's he the way he described it to me, I put this little video on my socials as well, and it did really well. So I thought people would like this one. But he talks about having a jam jar and into that jam jar goes all the stuff that makes you you and affects your mental health. So the first bottom bit in this jam jar is all just sludge. It's genetics, it's chemicals, it's all this stuff that we can't really ever under hope to understand. Bump, that's all in there. And then what goes in after that when you're filling up your jam jar is, is stuff like uh, stuff like environment, upbringing, personality, all these other things that we can work really hard to understand maybe, and maybe we can't. And that kind of all goes in there and all that stuff shook up together. That makes you, you, and that will inform how your mental health is. And he said quite often how it was explained to him is that when people's mental health starts to suffer or people start to become mentally ill, it's because there's that jam jar is full and it's all shook up and they don't really like understand it and they can't really cram anything else into it. Maybe there's a room for like a bit of medication in the top. And what he did was to start to work on expanding that jam jar and bringing more things into it yeah, that was going to impact his yeah, life, right? So instead yeah, of trying to get more stuff into the jar, make mm, your, jar, your jar bigger, bigger, start to put f- things in. So for my example, I'm not going to pinch his words, but for me, well, like my family would go in first, you know, spending time with my, my wife and kids and then meaningful work, having a job that means something to me and that I enjoy and that challenges and that stimulates me. 
and I put that in my jam jar and then I make it a bit bigger and I say, well, I love music. That's going to go in. I love podcasting. That's going to go in. I love walking in nature. That's going to go in. I like the gym. Bump. That's going to go in. Dog in. Suddenly you've got dog in. Yeah, that's it. That that racism we mentioned before. <laughs> whack that in. Yeah, yeah. Get that in there. <laughs> but no, so, so you build this jar up and you put in, and we kind of touched on it before, yeah. you know, by doing more of the things that you like and making a conscious effort to, you know, draw this jam jar on a bit of paper. Write this so shit good. down, put yeah. it in there, work out, you know, what, what are you doing? What aren't you doing? What should you do more of? And yeah, just creating this, this life that's going to support good mental health. Um, and you can still pop medication in there as well. And you can still pop all the other things that you, that you need to be doing in there, but just, yeah, just make sure you're ticking all these boxes rather than having the jam jar and having all this stuff swirling around and you don't understand it and you can't understand it. And just saying, this is me, this is my lot. You know, this is my jam mm. jar. It's full to bursting and yeah. I don't know what's going on in there. Make <laughs> yeah. it bigger. Yeah. You know, control the controllables, forget about the other stuff and get some sort of some, some positivity in there. And um, yeah, I, lo- I love that. Yeah. It was a really yes. useful, useful tip. Something else that Alistair said to me was, um, uh, he talked a lot about his, his depression and something that gets him through depressive episodes nowadays is knowing that he's got through it before. So I kind of pinched that and put that in my jam jar mm, because sometimes yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm not having a lot of bad days these days, but um, for the time when I, when I was um, and when I feel the darkness creeping on, knowing that you've been there before and that you've got through it is sometimes enough just to get you through it, you know, not Absolutely. to panic, not to worry. Just I've done it once, hold yeah. tight, strap yourself to the mast, ride yeah. this fucker out, you know? Yeah. And also you kind of know the way out and you know, you recognize the, the signposts, into depression for me is like oh I'm doing these things so I know I know if I continue to do it for too long I'm going to be stitching myself up that jam jar analogy weirdly Molly showed me a a similar one uh, for this because obviously we've like if you've got a chronic illness or pain whatever it is pick, pick whatever one some of them aren't going anywhere anytime soon if ever right and and so you're like this I saw a video and a woman was using a Sorry, a, a ball of plasticine. And she was like, this is me. And it was a little white ball of plasticine, right? And then she was like, this is my illness, which was another ball of red plasticine. She said, my illness is rubbish and it's really not something that I'm going to be able to, I can only ever manage it. And she said, and then she she wrapped, she merged the white plasticine in with the red plasticine and it made it quite a strong, reddy, pinky plasticine. She said, that's my life and I can either choose that as my lot or I can carefully continue to make my world bigger, um, you know, not recklessly, but, you know, I can continue to expand my horizons and my interests and, uh, and, and focusing on being congruent, I guess, congruent. And she started just adding more and more white plasticine to it. So she never, she was like, you can't, I can't take away this pain that I suffer, what I'm, uh, my, my issues are, but I can add to it. And then that makes that part of my life all that much smaller. Because actually my world is so much bigger. So it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. If you're staring at the problem day in, day out, then that problem is going to be massive. I, I actually think a, a lot of our sociological, our ideological battles that we have, because you know that's what we do on social media this uh, in this day and age. It's because people that's all people want to look at. Whereas, like if 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 you set your aspirations to other issues that we could all work on and help each other with, then some of the weird political debates that we have they they feel so much smaller. Um, but yeah, health. I think it's the same. So that the jam, the jam jar is a is a great one, Tom. 
Four for four there, mate. That's four great, great uh, tips. Yeah, that'll get me a bit higher up that top 10 invitation list, won't it, next time? None of this number yeah. 48 nonsense. <laughs> so what have you got at number one then, mate? Number one, um, it's a kind of like a, a, a two-parter really and something that I've learned from like speaking to so many people and people that have been through so much in different ways is that um, I learned that I could be okay, you know? And I, I, I didn't know or I don't know what that okay could maybe look like for me. But the fact that I was speaking to all these people and they've all kind of got through it or found a way to live with it and still go on to do things was really, really comforting to me. And then I started thinking about the things that they've done. And I suppose, yeah, really for this one, what I'm saying is that anyone can do anything because I started like, mm. you know, I spoke to all these, everyone I spoke to has done something. And I was starting to think whether they've, um, you know, made a documentary or written a book or run a marathon. And I started to realize that, you know, the, the, they're just people like me and like you guys and like everyone else. And the only difference between me and one of the authors I've spoken to is that they've like sat down and worked really hard and wrote this book. And if I wanted to write a book, I probably could. And it doesn't mean it's going to be a good book. And it doesn't mean everyone, anyone's ever going to fucking buy it or read it or anything, but I could fucking write one. And that kind of really changed my perspective on life. And as someone who was always hidden at the back because of anxiety, mm. who has always felt left stand, who has always got low self-esteem. And like, suddenly I'm thinking, well, that person's got low self-esteem and they mm. did this. And mm. like, if they can do it, maybe I can do it or, you know, not even the thing. Maybe I could do my own version of the thing or, um, and yeah, it's, it's been life changing for me in two parts. First to know that I actually can be okay. Cause at one point, you know, I used to say it was inevitable that I would die by suicide. I could not see a world in which that did not happen at some point. I was convinced. And just knowing that I might be all right and that I could be and seeing from all these other people that were proving it day into day, that was huge for me. And then it's like, well, now I'm all right. Now what? Now what am I going to do with this all right? You know? And again, seeing all these people, chatting to these people, people doing amazing things. And uh, yeah, and just thinking, well, I might do that. And knowing now if I think of something, I'll try and have a go at it rather than be scared of it, you know, be scared of being seen to fail at doing it. Um, and, you know, my life is so much better from just putting myself out there and being a little, little braver. And um, for everything that's gone really well, there's loads of stuff that's gone really shit too. And I'm, I'm more than happy to chat about it. That's just part of it, right? Mm, that's just part absolutely. of the part of the ride. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think looking at other people and um, saying, you know, if, uh, if, if they can do it, I can, I can do it, you know? And uh, I think that's a, a really important lesson. It certainly was for me anyway. Oh, it's amazing. That's a Brené Brown thing as well. Like, if you're brave enough, you you are going to fail. Like, like failure is bravery. It's like, I I think, like, you often... I do this all the time. I equate failure to failure. (laughs) But, like, like, or the fear of failure to failure. And it's actually, no, if you're fucking up, if if you write that book and it ain't that great or whatever, or the critics pan it... You are brave as fuck, man. And surely bravery's the a lot of the key to some of this as well. It's just being, like, even if it's a small thing, reading those WhatsApp messages to writing a book, the fact is you've had to do the thing that you didn't want to do and that's commendable. So regardless of it all, you know, people writing back to you and go, oh, I write something and it's just 
it's just devoid of any form of intellect or creativity. I could at least say, you know what, that that failure was bravery. I did it. I got out there. I done it. And I'd rather have that than just doing the alternative, which is to sit on it, to be incongruent and go, oh, this is what I want to do, actually. But what I am actually doing is um, just going through, um, you know, just scrolling Facebook. That's it, man. So, and what, and yeah. what do you learn along the way? Because we often start off doing these things. When mm. I started this podcast, I never, I had no idea that two years later I'd still be doing it. I'd be speaking to all these people and winning awards and all this stuff would be happening. I, I had no idea. It is, it is a different beast to the beast that I originally tried to design. You know, what have you learned along the way? And, you know, your book might be shit, but what you're doing when you're writing that book and you're showing up for yourself every day, well, you might apply that to something else and that might not be shit. That might be fucking beautiful, you know? And, um, yeah, it's, it's all about, yeah, all about having a go, right? All about having a go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tom, we know we're, we're tight on time. Um, and, and I'm sure anybody that's um, not checked out your podcast already uh, will do so now. You, you've got such a, a, a an amazing uh, manner and, and, and tone of voice, the way you, yeah, you, absolutely. You, 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 you talk is, is, is. I was just thinking that, Stu. Yeah. Tom, you got like we, we do these podcasts all obviously all the time, Stu in particular. And your te- your podcast manner is fucking brilliant, mate. It really is. It's really, I find you very accessible and witty and funny, and there's a warmness to how you talk. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really good stuff, man. So don't Thank write you, a book, that'll be shit. Yeah. Um, just focus on. Yeah, I ain't reading your just book, mess, mate. Just message. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll just well, do the audio book. That's because yeah. we can't. I can handle about 40 <laughs> minutes of you talking. It just generally just really brings me down. It's like... <laughs> Keep it to short stories. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. We can't We can't be too authentic for too long. We've got to be no, calling call you racist for no reason. It's almost a full hour. I'm amazed. I'm absolutely amazed we got through it. But. Tom, if people want to check out the podcast, remind everybody what it's called and where they can get it. Mate. Uh, it's called Proper Mental and it's available wherever you get your podcast from, all the usual places. Yeah. Wonderful. We're gonna tag you on social media. I know you're not on it as much, but um it's just more work for your My wife. My wife will sort it, don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> mate, it's always an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um we'll put a link to your show in the show notes as well. And obviously what we will also do is um put some links in the show notes uh if anybody has been affected by what we're talking about today or or, or, or has kind of learned something about themselves when I think maybe they need to, to, to reach out to somebody. We'll put some uh, some contact details in there for, mm. uh, for places where they can go and uh, speak to people and uh, and hopefully get some, some help. Um, Tom, once again, thanks loads, brother. Oh, thanks for having me. Pleasure as always. Cheers, mate. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Our Core Listing, the podcast.